Chapter 17 of With Cortez in Mexico. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. With Cortez in Mexico by George Alfred Henty. Chapter 17 The Insurrection. Cocama's prognostication was speedily verified for in the course of the next two or three days all the nobles who had joined him in preparations for a rising were by montezuma's orders arrested and sent in in chains and were placed with him in prison bathalda came on the day after roger's return with the news that the two ladies had reached cuitcatl's house in safety and as they believed without exciting observation the queen was anxious to know if he had seen Cocama, and whether her husband had any instructions for her. Amencha simply sent him some flowers, gathered by her own hand. Roger gave Bathalda Cocama's message to the queen. While out in the market, he purchased a large packet of choice and delicate sweetmeats, of which he knew Amencha was particularly fond, and gave them to Bathalda with the message that he would some day teach her to read and write, and then, when they were away from each other, they could talk at a distance. For some little time things went on quietly, but the Spanish greed and bigotry gradually worked the Mexicans up to a point of fury. At the suggestion of Cortez, Montezuma sent collectors to all the principal cities and provinces, accompanied by Spaniards, and these brought back immense quantities of gold and silver plate and other valuables, and to these Montezuma added an enormous treasure that had been accumulated and hidden by his father, amounting to a sum which astounded even the Spaniards. The value of the gold alone was equal to nearly a million and a half pounds sterling in the present day, besides a vast amount of gold ornaments and jewelry, and featherwork of excellent manufacture. A fifth of this was set aside for the king of Spain, the rest divided among the officers and soldiers. Even the extortion of this vast sum from the people might have been passed over in quiet, had the Spaniards been content to abstain from interference with their religion. But during the weeks that had elapsed since Montezuma had been a prisoner in their hands, they had vainly endeavored to convert the emperor and the nobles and attendants on him to christianity they had listened attentively to the preaching and exhortations of father almedo but their faith in their own gods was unshaken the bloody sacrifices were carried on as usual in the temples and these horrible spectacles naturally excited the wrath and indignation of the spaniards to the utmost although they themselves had in cuba and the islands put to death great numbers of the natives in pursuance of their own religious views cortez with many of his leaders went to the emperor and told him they would no longer consent to have the services of their religion conducted in the palace but wished to celebrate them publicly and therefore requested that the great temple should be handed over to them for their services. Montezuma was much agitated. 
he was a devout believer in his gods, and his conduct toward the Spaniards had been, in no slight degree, influenced by the belief that their coming had been foretold by Quetzalcoatl, and that they were the descendants of that god. However, after a conference with the priests, he consented that they should occupy one of the sanctuaries on the summit of the temple. Great joy was caused among the Spaniards at this permission. They at once took possession of the sanctuary and thoroughly cleansed it. They then decorated its walls with flowers and raised an altar, surmounted by a crucifix and an image of the Virgin. When all was ready, the whole army moved up the winding ascent to the summit, and a solemn mass was celebrated. The result of this occupation of the temple of their god was soon visible in the conduct of the Mexicans. Montezuma himself became grave and distant towards the Spaniards, and a few days later sent for Cortez and informed them that they were in great danger and that they had best leave the country at once. Cortez replied that he should regret to leave the capital so suddenly when he had no ship to take him from the country, but that if he should be driven to take such a step, he should feel compelled to carry the emperor along with him. Montezuma then agreed to send at once a number of workmen to the coast to build vessels under the instructions of the Spaniards, and promised to use his authority to restrain his people, assuring them that the Spaniards would leave as soon as means were provided. A large number of artisans were accordingly sent off at once with some of the Spaniards most skilled in shipbuilding, and on their arrival at the coast they began to fell trees and to make all preparations for building the vessels. In the meantime, at Mexico, every precaution was taken by the Spaniards. Since Montezuma had been in their hands, they had felt in perfect security, had wandered about the city and neighboring country as they chose, fished upon the lake, and hunted in the royal preserves. Now the utmost vigilance was observed, strong guards were mounted, the soldiers slept in their armor with their arms beside them, and were no longer permitted to leave the palace. At this moment news arrived that filled the mind even of Cortez with consternation. The expedition that he felt sure Velasquez, the governor of Cuba, would dispatch against him, had arrived on the coast and had landed. It consisted of eighteen vessels, carrying nine hundred men, of whom eighty were cavalry. So large a fleet had never before been collected in the Indies. It was commanded by a Castilian noble named Panfilo de Narvaez. Until they arrived at the coast, they had learned very little of what was happening in Mexico, as the vessels which Cortez had dispatched had avoided touching at the islands. They now learned from the Spaniards left on the coast all that had taken place, and Narvaez found with indignation that Cortez was the conqueror of a great empire, and that the honor and wealth had been reaped by a man whom he considered as an insolent adventurer, instead of by Velasquez. He therefore at once proclaimed his intention to march against Cortez and to punish him for his rebellion and the natives who had flocked to his camp soon comprehended that the new army had arrived as enemies and not as friends of the white men 
who had preceded them a small body of the troops of cortez commanded by sandoval were in garrison at villa rica and he at once dispatched a messenger with the news to cortez and prepared for a vigorous defense a priest a noble and four spaniards who arrived from narvaez ordering him to surrender were bound placed on the backs of indian porters and sent off to mexico under a strong guard when the news of the arrival of the force of narvaez reached mexico the soldiers were delighted believing that means were now at their disposal for their return home but when they heard from their officers that the newcomers were sent by the governor of cuba and had assuredly arrived as enemies the troops declared that come what might they would remain true to their leader on the arrival of the prisoners cortez received them with the greatest courtesy apologized for the rough conduct of sandoval and loading them with presents converted them into allies he learned from the priest that the soldiers of narvaez had no hostility towards them and that the arrogance of their leader caused much discontent among them when he was sure of the good offices of the priest cortez sent him back with a friendly letter to narvaez whom he adjured to lay aside his hostile designs which if persisted in might cause the loss of all the conquests he had made he was ready he said to greet him as a brother and to share with him the fruits of his successes the priest fulfilled his mission and added his own advice that the offers of cortez should be accepted narvaez rejected the council with scorn but the accounts of the priest of the splendor of the country the rich spoils won by the soldiers and also of the generosity and popularity of cortez exercised a great influence over the soldiers the priest was followed by father almedo with some more letters these were similarly rejected by narvaez but almedo during his stay at the camp contrived largely to add to the feeling in favor of cortez by his eloquence and the numerous presents he distributed among the officers and soldiers cortez had some time before dispatched don velasquez de leon one of his trusted officers with a hundred and fifty men to plant a colony near the mouth of one of the great rivers he was a kinsman of the governor of cuba and narvaez had on landing sent to him begging him to quit the service of cortez and march with his troops to join him velasquez instead of doing so set out at once for mexico but on his way was met by a messenger from cortez who ordered him to stop at cholula for further orders cortez summoned a force of two thousand natives from the distant province of chinantla and leaving pedro de alvarado in command of a hundred and fifty spaniards in mexico marched with the remainder of his force consisting of some seventy men only for cholula here he was joined by velasquez with his hundred and fifty men thus reinforced they marched to tlascala where six hundred native troops joined him but his allies soon fell off they had had too severe an experience of the fighting powers of the white men to care about taking part in a battle with them and so many deserted on the way that cortez dismissed the rest saying that he would rather part with them then 
than in the hour of trial. On reaching Perote, they were joined by Sandoval with fifty Spaniards, which brought their number up to two hundred and sixty-six, only five of whom were mounted. On their march towards Campoala, where Narvaez had now established his headquarters, they were met by an embassy from him, requiring the acknowledgment by Cortes of his authority, offering at the same time that all who wished to leave should be transported in his vessels. By liberal presents, Cortes won over the members of the embassy, who returned to Campoala to inform the soldiers there of the liberality of Cortes and of the wonderful array of gold ornaments and chains worn by his soldiers. Narvaez advanced to meet Cortes, but, the weather proving bad, again fell back on Campoala. Cortes, on the other hand, took advantage of the weather, and in the night fell upon the garrison and took them completely by surprise. Sandoval, with a small band, had been told off to attack the temple occupied by Narvaez and to take him prisoner. The general, with the troops in the temple, defended himself bravely until seriously wounded by one of the long spears with which Cortes had armed his men. The thatched roof of the temple was set on fire, the defenders were driven out by the smoke, and Narvaez was seized and made prisoner. Another division, under Oled, fell upon the guns, captured them, and turned them upon the temples in which the troops were quartered. When the soldiers, whose loyalty to their commander had already been sapped, accepted the offer of Cortes of an amnesty for the past, and a full participation in the advantages of the conquest of the country. Having sworn allegiance to Cortes as captain-general, they were incorporated in his little army. In the morning, when they saw how small had been the body of men who had defeated them, many regretted the course they had taken. But in the course of the day, the two thousand native allies from Chinatla arrived, and their military appearance, and the proof afforded by their presence of the influence of Cortes with the inhabitants of the country, put a stop to the murmuring, especially as Cortes ordered all the spoils taken from them to be returned, and distributed among them considerable sums of money, exciting, indeed, murmurs of discontent among his own veterans who considered that they had been deprived of the spoil they had rightfully won. The eloquence of their general, however, as usual, was successful in pacifying them. But to prevent further difficulties, he broke up his force and sent off two hundred men under Diego de Ordaz and a similar number under Velasquez de Leon to form settlements on the coasts and rivers and two hundred men to Veracruz, to dismantle the fleet of Narvaez. Scarcely had these parties left when a messenger arrived with letters from Alvarado saying that the Mexicans had risen and assaulted the Spaniards in their quarters and had partly undermined the walls, and that in the fighting several of the garrison had been killed and a great number wounded. Cortez at once dispatched messengers after Velasquez and Ordaz and ordered them to march to join him at Tlaxcala, recalled a hundred men from Veracruz, and then set forward. The troops suffered much in their march across the low country to the foot of the hills beneath a sun of terrible power. However, they reached Tlaxcala, 
and were there joined by Ordaz and Velasquez. They were most hospitably entertained by their allies, and a number of levies joined them. And with these and eleven hundred Spaniards, of whom a hundred were cavalry, they marched towards Mexico. They took a more northern route than before, and, crossing the mountains, held their way on to Tezcuco. Upon their route through the plains the peasantry held aloof, and the greater portion of the population of Tezcuco withdrew before their arrival, and even its new lord, although appointed at the instigation of Cortes, was absent from the city. Dispatches arrived from Alvarado, saying that the Mexicans had, for the last fortnight, ceased their attacks, but were blockading them in the palace. Cortes marched down the lake shore on the following day, and crossed the causeway to the city. Not a native was to be seen near the line of march, not a boat was visible on the lake, and an air of gloom and solitude hung over everything, showing but too plainly the altered feelings with which the natives regarded the whites. The streets were similarly deserted. When the head of the column reached the palace, the gates were thrown open, and the garrison rushed out to greet the newcomers with joyful shouts. Cortez now learned the reason of the rising of the Mexicans. It was the result of a hideous act of treachery on the part of Alvarado. In the month of May was the great festival of the war-god, which was held in his great temple, and the caziques asked permission of Alvarado to use, for the day, the portion which had been handed over to the Spaniards. He agreed to the request, on the condition that the Aztecs should celebrate no human sacrifices and should come unarmed. At least six hundred nobles attended, in their most gorgeous robes, and Alvarado and his soldiers were present as spectators. While the Aztecs were employed in a religious dance, Alvarado gave the signal. His men rushed upon them with their arms, and every one of them was massacred unresistingly, not a single soul escaping. Various motives were assigned for this most foul massacre. Some writers have ascribed it solely to the desire for plunder, others to the desire of Alvarado to strike a blow that would intimidate the Mexicans from making any insurrectionary movement. Alvarado himself declared that he had information that the Mexicans intended to rise, but he gave no proofs, whatever, to justify his suspicions. The affair, indeed, seems to have been utterly indefensible, and must ever remain a foul blot upon Spanish honor. Cortez was extremely angry at hearing what had taken place, and after listening to Alvarado's explanation, said, "'You have done badly. You have been false to your trust. Your conduct has been that of a madman.' It was, however, no time for quarrels, and, as it was the impolicy of the deed, rather than its treachery that angered Cortez, he speedily forgave the offender, who was one of the most popular officers in his army. The blow Alvarado had struck had a contrary effect to that which he had expected of it. No sooner had the news of the massacre spread through the city than the whole population rose, and at dawn next morning they attacked the palace with desperate fury. Volumes of missiles were poured upon the defenders, the walls were assaulted, and the works set on fire, and the palace might have been taken 
had not montezuma yielding to the entreaties and perhaps threats of the garrison mounted the walls and urged the people to desist from the attack as his own safety would be imperiled did they continue it they obeyed him as usual and withdrew from the assault but threw up work round the place and proceeded to starve the spaniards out the latter had considerable stores of food but suffered severely from thirst until they were fortunate enough to discover a spring and were thus enabled to hold out until the arrival of cortez the latter refused to comply with the request of montezuma to see him he had some reason to doubt the good faith of the emperor for he had discovered that the latter had sent envoys to narvaez and he had upon his arrival at tlascala been informed that the rising at mexico had been to a great extent prepared beforehand by the orders of montezuma and even the assurances of the officers of the garrison that they owed their safety to the emperor's intervention did not pacify him the real reason no doubt of his anger was that he found he had overrated the advantages he would gain from montezuma being in his hands but for this he himself and not the emperor was to blame at first the capture had all the success that he had expected from it the people had obeyed their emperor as implicitly when a captive as when his power had been supreme they had sent in their nobles prisoners and bound at his orders they had built ships for these strangers they had suffered them to go unmolested through the country but there was an end even to aztec patience the avarice of the white men had drained the country of its wealth their arrogance had humiliated their pride their occupation of their holiest temple and the insults to their gods had aroused them to fury and the massacre in cold blood of six hundred of their nobles while engaged in religious devotions had been the signal for an explosion their emperor formerly so venerated they now regarded with contempt as the creature of the spaniards as the betrayer of his country and the thought of his safety no longer restrained their thirst for vengeance cortez however was in no mood to reflect what have i to do with this dog of a king he exclaimed who suffers us to starve before his eyes go tell your master and his people he said fiercely to the mexicans to open the markets or we will do it for them at their cost the chiefs who were the bearers of montezuma's message left his presence in deep resentment and reported to the emperor and to the people outside the manner in which montezuma's request for an interview had been refused cortez however thought it politic to release cuatlahua montezuma's brother who had been among those imprisoned for taking share in cacama's league and allowed him to go into the city thinking that he would allay the tumult but cuatlahua was a man of different spirit from his brother he was heir presumptive to the throne and a bold and daring prince the people welcomed him at once as montezuma's representative and chose him to represent the emperor during his confinement cuatlahua accepted the post and immediately set to work to organize the fighting men and to arrange a plan of attack roger had not been with the party that accompanied cortez on his expedition against narvaez 
but with his two companions remained to form part of the garrison of the palace you are out of spirits young fellow juan said on the day after cortez had marched away you are changed very much since you first joined us i have much to make me so juan roger replied in his broken spanish you see i am white by blood but i have dear friends among the natives what do i see as a white i perceive that our position here is one of the gravest danger and that destruction may fall upon us all as a friend of the natives i see the country plundered the people trodden down and sooner or later the ruin and misery of the whole people you mean we are in danger from narvaez people juan said i have faith in cortez he will either fight them or bring them over he is a wonderful man and will find some way out of the difficulty i do not mean that entirely roger replied i mean that there is danger from the natives pooh the old soldier said disdainfully the natives are no better than so many women but even women may be serious opponents when they are fifty to one juan and you mistake these mexicans they have been friendly and submissive because it has been the order of the emperor but although physically not strong they are brave the aztec army has spread the dominion of mexico over a wide extent of country they have conquered many peoples and are by no means to be despised it is true you beat the tlascalans but that was not because you were braver than they were but because of your superior arms and armor and above all by the terror inspired by your horses but this will not last the mexicans now know that you are but men like themselves and when they fight inspired both by national spirit and the memory of their wrongs i tell you that you will have hard work to hold your own ah well juan grumbled if it must come it must it will not disturb my appetite when roger learned that orders had been given for the massacre at the temple he determined firmly that he would take no part in the deed whatever it might cost him to refuse fortunately he found no difficulty in persuading one of the soldiers told off to act as a guard at the palace during the absence of the rest to change places with him as the man wanted to have his share in the expected plunder had cacama been at liberty roger would not have hesitated a moment but would have left the spaniards and thrown in his lot with the mexicans but now it was impossible to do so the frenzied population would have seized any white man they came upon outside the walls of the palace and would have carried him to the altars of their gods it would be hopeless to endeavor to explain that he was of another race all white men would be alike in their eyes he bitterly regretted now that he had returned from tezcuco had he at that time gone with the queen and princess to the house of his friend cuitcatl he could have remained there in quiet and the natives would have seen that he at least had no part or share in this horrible massacre now it seemed to him that there was nothing to be done save to share the lot of the spaniards whatever that might be he believed that the mexicans would storm the palace and slaughter all within it long before the return of cortez and he 
by no means shared the confident anticipation of the soldiers that the general on his arrival would very speedily put down any insurrection that might occur and would with the assistance of the soldiers of narvaez soon bring all mexico into subjection it had happened that both juan and pedro had also been on guard during the massacre this was a great satisfaction to him for he felt he could no longer have remained in intimate communication with them had their hands been drenched with innocent blood when upon their being relieved at their posts they joined each other in the chamber they shared in common the old soldier held up his hand and said gruffly do you hold your tongue sancho i know what you are thinking lad as well as if you said it and maybe i do not disagree with you but least said soonest mended these rooms without doors are not places for a man to relieve his mind by strong language if he happens to differ from his superiors it is a bad business and a shameful one at cholula there was some excuse for it here there is none i am an old soldier and have taken many a life in my time but never in cold blood like this say nothing lad at any rate until you get a chance of being outside this city or on the lake where none can get near you then pour it out as much as you like it is like enough roger said that none of us will ever go out of the city alive and it will serve us thoroughly right if this is to be a spaniard and a catholic let me be a mexican and a heathen there there that is enough juan interrupted now let us have our supper i can eat nothing roger said throwing himself down on the couch where he remained in silence until a sudden outburst of wild shouts and cries followed instantly by the trumpet calling every man to his allotted place on the walls aroused him the work of vengeance has begun he said gravely as he put on his thick padded jerkin and helmet and took up his pike i only hope i may see alvarado the author of this massacre killed before i am juan shook his head as roger left the room and he followed with pedro in faith i do not blame him he has been brought up among these people he is quite right the young soldier said it is a shameful business had i known that we were coming here to be butchers i would never have taken service under cortez what should we have said if on our first arrival here when montezuma entertained cortez and all the cavaliers his people had slain them at the feast hold your tongue you young fool juan muttered angrily the thing is done and you cannot undo it what we have to do now is to fight for our lives even if these poor devils have right on their side it is not a matter to stop and discuss now so keep your breath for fighting i doubt not that we shall soon scatter them like chaff but this was by no means the case and it was only the intervention of montezuma that saved the garrison from destruction the time until the arrival of cortez had passed slowly the soldiers weakened by hunger and thirst muttered angrily against the officer who had so rashly brought them into this strait few of them regretted the deed for its own sake but simply because it had brought on them peril and misfortune roger had borne his share of the fighting on the walls he was defending his life 
and although at first he had fought with little ardor the pain given by two arrows which pierced his cotton armor heated his blood and he afterwards fought as stoutly as the rest during the period of inaction he had more than once tried to obtain an interview with kakama but the prisoners were jealously watched and no one was allowed access to them on any pretext and two officers always accompanied the men who took in their daily rations they were regarded as hostages only less important than montezuma himself and as most of them were very rich and powerful caziques they might offer bribes which might well shake the fidelity of any private soldier when the news arrived that cortez with the whole of the army of narvaez was at hand the depression that had reigned gave way to exultation and the soldiers believed that they would now take the offensive and without loss of time put an end to the insurrection marina had accompanied cortez on his expedition for she was still necessary to him as an interpreter and her influence with the natives was great roger obtained an interview with her a few hours after her return she had evidently been crying passionately my heart is broken roger she said i had hoped that the white men would have done great things for my country they know so much and although i thought there might be trouble at first for great changes can never be introduced without trouble i never dreamed of anything like this cholula was bad enough but there the people brought it on themselves and the spaniards would have been slain had they not first begun to kill but here it is altogether different it was an unprovoked massacre and after this who can hope that the whites and mexicans can ever be friendly together i love cortez he is great and generous and had he been here this would have never happened but many of his people are cruel and they are all greedy of wealth and he general though he is has to give way to them i remember that in the old days at tabasco you told me how cruelly the spaniards had treated the people of the islands but when i saw them first i thought that you being of a different nation had spoken too hardly of them i see now that you were right i have all along done what i could for my people and though i am with the invaders i am sure they recognize this and that they feel no ill-will against me but now i fear that they will curse me as they will curse them and that through all time my name will be abhorred in mexico and she again burst into tears i do not think so malinche at tezcuco it was always said that you stood between the natives and the whites and it was owing to you that they were not more harsh than they were as to this massacre god forbid that i should say a single word in defense of it as a white man and a christian i feel it is an act of horrible atrocity but it should not make such an impression upon your people who make wars solely to obtain victims whom they may sacrifice at the altars of their gods and who every year slay in cold blood fully twenty-five thousand people who have done them no wrong by the side of such horrible slaughter as this the murder of six hundred the other day 
was but a drop in the ocean of blood annually shed here had it been in battle it would have been nothing malinche said had they offered them up at the altars of the gods the people would have understood it for they do it themselves but this was a foul act of treachery who after this can believe in the promises of the whites i know the people you whites despise them because they have hitherto allowed themselves to be subdued without resistance but now that their first awe of the spaniards has died away and they have nerved themselves to take up arms you will find that they are brave i see nothing but trouble before us cortez feels confident that he can easily repulse any attack and subdue the city and the country round but i do not think so nor do i malincha no men could have fought more bravely than the mexicans the other day it is true that we were but in small numbers and that we are now many times stronger and have cortez to command us but on the other hand the attack was but a hasty one and the next time we shall have the whole mexican force upon us what will you do roger i must fight for the spaniards roger said gloomily they are not my countrymen but they are white men as i am and surrounded by foes besides i have no option the mexicans cannot distinguish between spaniards and englishmen and i should be seized and sacrificed were i to set foot beyond the walls were it not for that i would leave the city join amentia and leave the spaniards and mexicans to fight out their quarrel as they might but now whichever one the result would be fatal to me if the mexicans were victorious i like all other whites would be sacrificed to their gods if the spaniards won i should be executed as a traitor therefore there is nothing for me to do but to remain with the spaniards and share their fate whatever it may be the next morning silence reigned over the city not a mexican was to be seen anywhere near the palace within which the spaniards were virtually prisoners cortez hoped however that cuitlahua would soon persuade the people to return to their usual habits and to open the markets for provisions but in any case he felt so confident of his power to overawe the city that he sent off a messenger with dispatches to the coast saying that he had arrived safely and should soon overcome all opposition in half an hour however the messenger returned at a gallop wounded in a score of places he reported that the city was up in arms the drawbridges were raised and the mexicans were marching towards the palace scarcely had he arrived when the sentinels on the towers shouted that masses of men were approaching by all the streets leading to the palace and immediately afterwards the terraces and flat roofs of the houses near were darkened by throngs of natives shouting and brandishing their weapons the trumpet instantly sounded to arms and so strict was the discipline that prevailed that in an incredibly short time every soldier was at his post the position was capable of being defended against a very numerous enemy unprovided with artillery for the wall round the great one-storied building though low was strong and the turrets placed at intervals upon it enabled the defenders to command its face 
and to pour missiles upon any who might be bold enough to endeavor to effect a breach by undermining it with crowbars and levers the garrison too were sufficient for its defense for there were not only some twelve hundred spaniards but the eight thousand tlascalan allies the aztecs rushed forward with the shrill whistle used as a battle-cry by the people of anahuac and as they advanced poured a rain of missiles of all kinds upon the palace to which were added those shot from the terraces and flat roofs the spaniards had pierced the walls with embrasures for their cannon and these commanded all the avenues the gunners waited until the columns were close at hand and then their terrible discharge swept lanes through the crowded masses in the streets for a moment the mexicans paused paralyzed by the terrible slaughter and then rallying rushed forward again three times the cannon were discharged into their midst but though broken and disordered they still pressed on until they swept up to the very foot of the walls pouring in a hail of arrows they were well seconded by those on the housetops who from their elevated position were on a level with the spaniards and whose missiles arrows javelins and stones thrown with great force from slings galled the defenders greatly and wounded great numbers of them in vain did the aztecs strive to climb the walls these were of no great height but as they showed their heads above the parapet they were shot down by the spanish arquebus men or struck backwards by the weapons of the tlascalans failing to scale the walls they tried to batter down the parapet with heavy pieces of timber but the stonework was too strong and they then shot burning arrows into the palace and hurled blazing torches over the wall the palace itself was of stone but some of the exterior works which had been constructed were of wood and these were soon on fire the defenders had no water with which to extinguish the flames and at the point where the new works joined the wall the fire was so fierce that they were afraid it would spread to the palace and to extinguish it were forced to adopt the desperate expedient of overthrowing the wall upon the burning mass the breach thus made was guarded by a battery of heavy guns and a party of arquebusiers and these repelled every attempt of the mexicans to take advantage of the breach which had been thus formed the fight continued until night fell and the mexicans then drew off cortez and his followers were astonished at the obstinacy with which they had fought and the contempt of death they had displayed they had obtained such easy victories with forces but a fourth of those which cortez now commanded that he had formed the lowest opinion of the fighting powers of the aztecs but he now found that a nation was not to be trampled upon with impunity however he consoled himself with the thought that this was but a temporary outbreak of fury and he determined to sally out with all his force on the following morning and to inflict a terrible chastisement upon his assailants as soon as the morning broke the spaniards were under arms cortez was speedily undeceived in his hopes that the slaughter of the previous day would have cowed the mexicans the great square and the streets leading to it were seen to be crowded with foes who appeared better organized than on the previous day 
being divided into regiments, each with its banners. These, the Mexican attendants on Montezuma told them, were the cognizances of the many cities of the plain, showing that the whole people were joining in the movement commenced by those of the capital. Towering above the rest was the royal standard of Mexico. Among the crowd were numerous priests, who, with excited gestures, called upon them to avenge the insulted gods and to destroy the handful of invaders who had brought disgrace upon the nation, had trampled it underfoot, had made their sovereign a captive, and murdered their nobles in cold blood. It was evident that, fierce as had been the fighting on the previous day, the renewed assault would be even more formidable. End of chapter 17